Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of the Final Third Podcast. It is our big Euro Match Day 1 review slash predictions for the rest of the group. We're talking about the teams that have disappointed us, the teams that have impressed us, some overall trends that we've seen throughout the first couple of days of the European Championships. You're going to want to listen to it all. Go ahead, as always, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Final Third Show to keep up with our European live tweeting, our takes on the European Championships, and also the Copa America. Leave a rating and review if you enjoyed this podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another deep dive episode of The Final Third. My name is Jack. I am a supporter of the French national team, the Slovakian national team, Minnesota United, Chelsea FC, and Atalanta BC, and I am joined here with AJ. Yeah, I'm AJ Tabura. I support the U.S. national teams, both the men and women, West Ham United, Minnesota United, and for the Euros, I guess I'm supporting the Czech Republic and Finland uh, for this round of European championships. Speaking of the Euros, Jack, what are we talking about today? Yeah, well, the first round or technically as as they call it in fantasy match day mm-hmm. even though there have been several days and it has wrapped up as France and Germany played out the last game of that match day today so we thought you know the euros have been pretty interesting so far i don't think they're well i almost said there hasn't been a boring game but we'll get to that <laughs> uh, but you know it's it's been a pretty exciting a pretty thrilling tournament so far and we thought you know let's give a rundown of the things we noticed at the Euros of these different teams. Like, you know, who's the real deal? Who's an imposter, you know? Uh, who, who's, not, who's not living up to the expectations? Yeah. Who's boring? Who's, what, what's, what's trends that we've been seeing? So mm-hmm. just going over all of that, just having a discussion on that. So we're inviting you to listen in on that discussion about the Euros. Yeah, and as always, if you want to listen to our live tweeting of the euros checks out on twitter and instagram at final third show links will be down in the show notes below Uh, we do apologize we haven't been talking about a lot of u.s men's national team or mls or pretty much anything else other than the euros and copa america but can you really blame us we've just been enthralled in these international tournaments so once we get some more transfer news or mls games start you know we'll get back to that but for now We are all Copa America, all Euros, all the time. And let's just get started here with uh, talking about some of the trends that we've been seeing. Uh, Jack, seeing as you are our main European guy, why don't you get started with something you've been noticing at the Euros? Yeah, well, there's a lot of interesting things, but I'm going to start with one thing that, you know, as a supporter of Slovakia, I was going to put the jersey on, but it's far away. I'm lazy. Uh, So... Not taking smaller teams seriously has really hurt a lot of bigger teams. And, you know, we saw this with a lot of different games. First of all, like Slovakia versus Poland. Poland seemed to sit back quite a bit and like, or not sit back. They, they allowed Slovakia to play their game. They really played into it. They, they bit into their block and allowed them to counter. 
And, you know, they didn't really respond immediately when things ha- when things got tough. And that really hurt them. And because of that, they ended up losing their opening game, which I, I saw a lot of Polish fans saying, we lost our easy game. It's all over now. And, you know, see, that's the kind of mindset that's been taking down teams. Uh, the idea that there is an easy team in the group. But no, every team deserved to be there. So it's best to take them seriously. Obviously, this is this has been the opposite in some cases. Austria versus North Macedonia. They saw that there was a threat and it was headed towards a, a, a draw. And they brought on some impact players to, to make a difference. And because of that, they ended up winning. Uh, we also saw this in... What what uh, the game I was referencing uh, in the most boring game of the tournament so far, which is Spain versus Sweden, where Sweden maybe wasn't taken that seriously by Spain as like being a threat. If, but if if Sweden had finished any of their chances, which they probably should have, Spain would have been in a lot of trouble. So, you know, that that's one big thing that I've really noticed. AJ, have you noticed that with any other teams, ha- uh, that kind of thing happening? Yeah, I mean, you can really point towards, I would say, even Wales versus Switzerland. I think they're pretty evenly matched. But I think going into this, Wales were the underdog in this game. And I think a lot of people were kind of suggesting that Switzerland would take it. But obviously, that wasn't really the case. Switzerland, I I feel like Wales Wales did score the first goal, right? And with Switzerland. No, it was Switzerland. uh, Mbolo scored and then uh, Kiefer Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, scored a little bit later, I think 15 minutes before the end of the game. And then Switzerland almost got the game winner, but that was called off by VAR right. or whatever. Uh, yeah, and another game that I saw that really well displayed in was the Netherlands-Ukraine game. And I think this is a, a larger trend that we have been talking about, especially in our predictions and Euro preview last week, was Frank De Boer's tactics and how he lines up the Netherlands. I want to highlight uh, the Netherlands and their inability to, you know, put up a fight against smaller teams and just their leaky defense. And I think that really got shown by Yarmolenko and uh, Yaramchuk getting two goals in the space of just a just a handful of minutes to equalize the game two to two. Eventually, Netherlands won that game three to two. But that kind of form from the Netherlands is is unsustainable. They're much too leaky. They've conceded 13 goals in their last nine games against FIFA top-ranked teams, like the top 50-ranked teams that they've gone against. The last nine of those, they've conceded 13 goals. That's a goal a game more than that for a team that should be contenders. So I think when we have these these kinds of, I'd say, Goliaths, in this uh, tournament to see them underestimate the Davids really shoots them in the foot, especially when you're in a group match and you need to get as many points as possible. Jack, were there anything else that you saw from the Euros that you wanted to highlight before I kind of suggest some things? I mean, you, I mean, I think you, I think you've got it completely right with the Netherlands there, even though they won the game, which I know is going to paper over a lot of the cracks for a lot of people that they didn't win it convincingly. It it took a goal from a win back for them to for them to like get into this game and get a winner against a team that they were leading two to zero and they just let them score two in four minutes. Like it's very clear that there's something wrong with this team. They can say, oh, Van Dyke's missing. But even then, 
you you have more than enough quality to keep out like these kinds of attackers. Like Uremchuk, I think he plays for for. I know I said in in our Europe predictions, don't discount the Russian league, but he plays in the Russian league, mm-hmm. and Yarmolenko kind of struggles for game time against for uh, for West Ham. So to not be able to keep out those, you 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 have world class defenders, Matthias Delict, uh, and. I, I'm completely blanking on all of their other defenders <laughs> right okay. now, but uh, you know, you should be keeping out those kinds of goals and yeah, it's, it's, it, you can put it down to Van Dyke, but ultimately I think it goes to De Boer's tactics, but yeah, AJ, why don't, why don't you, why don't you take it? What's, what's a big thing that you've noticed? I think based on the results in match day one, I think when I'm looking at the groups, the groups that I'm really excited for is obviously group F the group of death but also and i've been tweeting about this group d which is made up of czech republic england croatia and scotland and currently the standings in that group are in that order czech republic beat scotland two to zero thanks to a wonderful like halfway line goal from schick of the czech republic he, that was, he actually scored a brace and uh, the scotland keeper is way off his line he, he decided to take his chance from uh, the halfway line and it scored it's one of the best goals period i've seen but definitely one of the one of the goals that are up there for the euros uh, they beat scotland two to zero england pulled off a pretty nervy one zero win against croatia so this group is pretty wide open in my opinion i think that this is going to be the group to watch england versus scotland which we had a prediction on in the monday episode that's gonna be a really interesting game to look at tactically because england are confident after winning against their hardest opposition in this group so they're cruising they're comfortable they're really confident in themselves and i think that's going to open the game up a little bit scotland down two goals and goal difference is going to be a huge deal when it comes to group stage games and getting out of uh, the group when you're in the third place spot they're going to be kind of playing a little desperate they're going to be going for the goals in order to a win and b at least try to improve their goal difference so i think that's i'm gonna jinx this i think that's gonna be a recipe for an exciting game it'll be a zero zero draw of course and i think czech republic versus croatia is gonna be another desperate cage match in the kind of the same way czech republic are in a, in a situation that they might not have really seen themselves uh, being in to begin the tournament where they got a good result a really really good result out of scotland and now there's a chance that they could qualify into the into the knockout rounds from the top two which is pretty unlikely uh at least that's what people would say when when they began the tournament a lot of people are saying they'd get either third or fourth in this group and to see them in the driver's seat of their own destiny against a really good croatia s- uh, squad is going to be a really, really interesting uh, match and a really interesting future of this team in the next two match days. Uh, Jack, what other groups are you interested in? Uh, I'm going to guess you're interested in Group F, but are there any other ones that you're kind of looking at with great intrigue? Group E, of course. Of course, because yeah. Because if, you're, if, uh, if anyone listening watched our Euro Predictions episode, <laughs> you'll remember that I said Slovakia would not finish dead last and aj was like nah they're they're terrible they oh, can't no. do anything oh, they, no. they're, and guess what they they showed up they showed up against poland they were assisted sure they were assisted by that red card that was given to poland but 
you know, they, they took full advantage of it. Not all teams do that. Like they could have sat back and played for the draw, but no, they went out and pursued it with, I, I think like it, you know, Schick's goal was good and it was amazing. Yar, uh, Yarmolenko's goal was fantastic as well. Insigne's goal against Turkey was good, mm-hmm. but that goal was just, just felt amazing because it's a defender coming up from a corner and just smashing it in for, from the, from like the outside of the box almost. So, you know, I'm looking forward to this one because I, I thought Spain was going to walk away with this group. I really did, but I'm kind of unconvinced by them. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Uh, and because of that, I think this group is kind of wide open. It, it feel it really feels like anyone can advance from this group, which is not what I would have said uh, when like a few days ago before the tournament had started. It it definitely feels like an open group. And I mean, I mean I'm also going to be watching Group B quite a bit because Belgium, they, they looked solid against Russia, but Finland also picked up their first win right. of, of in any major tournament. And they don't look that bad, which is not what we said in our predictions. Mm-hmm. We kind of discounted them and said that they were worse than Russia. Maybe that will still be the case, but it I don't know. Finland looked pretty interesting. And this is this is going to be an interesting group, too. It has that same feel that anyone could qualify from it. Yeah, for sure. I, I am interested in Finland. I feel like. Their win against Denmark kind of wasn't necessarily justified. Maybe not justified is the right word, but not replicable because the game situation there was completely unlike what anything we've ever seen right. from the Euros. So them getting a win might not actually be predictive of anything going forward. They might still not qualify. But to get that three points, I think it's very likely that they maybe at least get third place and maybe even qualify out of there. Uh, that I really like that team because they have, out of like the Copa America and the Euros, the most likely to start out of any like MLS players. We have uh, two Minnesota United players, Ludd and Raitala, and uh, I think a Chicago Fire player who I can't pronounce his name starts with an L. Like oh, La- uh, no, Ma- Montreal, I thought. Montreal, uh, Lassie, yeah, yeah. Lassie Laplanian. Yeah, wow, you killed that. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm convinced that's how you pronounce it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a I, I, I'm that. not sure. I, I'm not sure. Uh, Finland, anyone from Finland, please don't, please don't, uh, slay me for that one. Yeah, all, all I'll my thousands best. of listeners from Finland. I'm sure they're gonna get on your back for that. But yeah, yeah I, I, I think they're going to, to, at, at least have a fighting chance whether or not they are going to have a, like a real chance to qualify it's yet to see i'd like to see what, how they do in the match day two and see the permutations from there i'm gonna take this opportunity to bag on two teams that you've mentioned because i want right. to i do want to talk let's uh, hear it let's about hear it. some bad teams number one spain you've already talked about spain a little bit but i just gotta say like this is kind of the classic spain post 2012 after 2012, it's kind of been downhill for Spain. Uh, someone on the post-match thread of this game on Reddit put it best, and this is the Spain 0-0 draw against Sweden. Spain is all bark, yet no bite. If you possess 85% of the ball, have an XG of 2.35, and have 830 accurate passes compared to your opponent's 89 if you don't win that game, that's on you. That's literally on you. Sweden, 
to their credit, really a lot to their credit, I was really impressed by them, did well to defend. Robin Olsen came up huge to keep Spain out. I wouldn't be surprised to see them do relatively well in this tournament, at least maybe get to the knockout rounds. But Spain, when you have you know, some pretty good youthful players as well as some good you know, older experienced players, to see them not take advantage of that to its fullest and instead you know, have that buildup, have those chance creations, but not the chance conversions, that's 100% an indictment on the system that Spain is playing, the way that, that they have set themselves up, and the execution of their players. I'm, I'm not impressed, like you said, about Spain. Yeah, before before you go on to, yeah. I, I think you have another team to mm-hmm. that you wanna that you wanna rag on a little bit. But I, again, with Spain, like, they, why didn't they start Gerard Moreno? That's my big question. Alvaro Morata had so many chances. It's it's oh, the case. Morata was terrible. <laughs> I, I I saw I saw a tweet that said uh, Alvaro Morata uh, missed shots, uh, walked uh, walked and missed shots, so Timo Werner could run and miss shots. Yes, uh, and you know, it, Morata was pretty bad like he should not have started this game in my opinion it should have always been moreno starting and you could see it because moreno created arguably the best chance spain had in that match at the at the 90th minute where he had a great header he got away from his marker and but you know robin olsen saved him at that moment and it he probably if he had started i i think he would have scored at least a goal and you know i i think that was a big miss a uh, big missed opportunity for for spain like and it's even more shocking that uh just what two days later one day later after that match it was announced that juve renewed their loan for 10 million euros yeah for Morata. strange strange timing of that announcement i think uh because it, it does not paint juve as a as a particularly serious team, in my opinion, when that happens, I mean, which I'm all here for. I, 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 <laughs> I as I've tweeted, I, I'm not a Juventus fan by any stretch of the imagination. So. Yeah. Well, well, I wasn't actually going to talk about this team uh, to begin with, but oh now God. that you mentioned Juve, I'm going to mention Poland. Uh, they have Wojciech Szczesny in goal, who is a, a Juve player. He did not play well at all uh, for for Poland, but I think the main thing that really gets my goat with this uh, Poland squad and how uh, they went about this match was they weren't able to get Lewandowski enough touches. Lewandowski, to not his credit, couldn't really finish the shots that he was given. But also, to begin with, he wasn't given the 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 chances that he really deserves as the world's best striker at the moment. He only had thirty nine touches compared to uh, Hamzik and Duda of Slovakia, who, who had 50-plus to each of them. Even his wingers, Zielinski and uh, Joswiak, had 60-plus touches. Poland's midfield just weren't up for it. They couldn't get him the ball the way that, you know, when you're reliant on uh, Lewandowski, you need to get him the ball. And this is all to say that a lot of this credit should go to Slovakia for being able to get him off the ball and defend well. Yeah, he jacked it a little fist pump. Uh, that That is my, uh, my uh, goat with Poland. I'll also quickly mention Russia, the, the team I was originally going to mention. Not a great showing from them. Belgium, uh, one of the favorite, my cha- choice to win the entire tournament, did really well. 
uh, Belgium and Lukaku as their talisman did really, really well. I'm really excited to see how they do in the rest of the tournament. But Russia, their backline and goalkeeper had an average age of 32. And it showed. Belgium and Lukaku just ran circles around them. And Russia had one player under the age of 25. It's a very experienced team, but at some point you need to have some youth in there to spice things up and also give you the pace and the strength that older players just cannot give you. And it just showed. I I, I really don't think that Russia is going to do too hot in this tournament if they get out of the knockout rounds at all. Those are my some of my bad teams, Jack. I, I'll leave it up to you if you want to talk about some other teams that you aren't too hot about or move on to some other analysis on of the tournament. Bad teams? I mean, there there are a few that I, 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 I could point out, and I, I won't I won't say one of them because I, I have a feeling you'll want to talk about them yeah. later. So I'll 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 wait on that one. But you know, Scotland. Okay. I, I, I was pretty high on Scotland and I thought they would do pretty well. I I I I thought I thought they had a chance of actually getting second even. I, I said they would get third, but I, I believe I said they could get second. Uh-huh. But this Scotland team just didn't show up in a good way at all against uh against the Czech Republic, who are pretty much like their main competition for third place. Like that that's what all of the Scotland fans were saying. Mm-hmm. If we win this one, we should be good. But they didn't, and it's because, you know, the way this team's set up, they have they have a remarkable midfielder on the bench who could have controlled the tempo of that game, Billy Gilmore. I know he's a Chelsea player, so you can call me biased <laughs> for that, but but he he I think it's pretty undeniable that he is a remarkable talent. Uh give it like if if you've watched him before. But he could have come on and changed that game and helped control the midfield and maybe you know, Schick wouldn't have gotten that chance from halfway down the field. And also, uh, I, I saw a, a TikTok from, I believe it's uh, uh, Tomorrow's Goalkeeper, I think it's called. It's either that or Everyday Goalkeeper. But he, he was talking about David Marshall and how everyone was giving him stick. But that's up to Scotland's tactics. Every, every team now is trying to get their keeper to play as a sweeper keeper, whether they, it fits them or not. And they, they asked him to come up and play that role. But it doesn't fit Scotland's style, really, of like, you know, kind of they, they, like kind of like playing out from the back, keeping a high line. That's not Scotland's style. They're, they're more of a counter team, if anything like uh, that. That's so I think that they they had a really they really messed up the tactics on this one. And, you know, they could fix it. But when you look at the games they have coming up, England and Croatia against the hardest teams and, you know, teams that maybe not Croatia, but are, people are saying could win the entire tournament that that's that's going to be tough to have to adapt it now so that that's like the main team i i don't think they're actually wait turkey was a little bit disappointing yeah. as well i i can't believe i almost forgot about that because aj and i both hyped him up a lot yeah we there really are did. underdog teams they, i had I mean, them i think i had them in the semifinals i have them in the semifinals oh, no, as well dude, we're screwed <laughs> <laughs> and the the thing is like turkey I think the thing is we were judging them too much on the Netherlands performance when it wasn't maybe that Turkey was so good, but that the Netherlands are so bad under Frank De Boer. Dude, I think Frank we De forgot Boer, about the De Boer No matter tax. what happens, he always screws us up. Yeah, huh. we forgot about the De Boer attacks when yeah. we were thinking about that. But yeah, Turkey, like 
they okay. I I will I'll, I'll give credit to their goalkeeper Erdogan uh, Sakir, uh, who was fantastic. Made six saves in the match. Mm-hmm. That he he was fantastic. If it wasn't for him, that match would have finished like nine nil. They would have been Southampton. And l- luckily, like you know, he he came to the rescue several times. And I I think like it, it they just didn't impress. They didn't put a shot on target. They didn't get Yilmaz the ball, and when they did, he was offside. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it it just wasn't a good opening for Turkey when so many people were looking at them as being like this massive, massive, big team that was going to do great things. So may, maybe they could still do that. They still they have to play Switzerland and Wales, which are way easier games than Italy. Yeah. But I, I mean, like, yeah, that 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 probably got rid of some of the hype on them. I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Barak Ilmaz only got 22 touches. A lot of that was because he was in offside land for a lot of the game. but <laughs> For most of the game. Yeah, but that that turkey midfield was not able to really connect between the defense and the attack. I do want to talk about Italy. Not right now, but, but I do want to talk about some impressive teams because I, I think we're pretty negative right now. I'm, I'm about to get negative yeah, on another team eventually but <laughs> yeah. m- moving on jack i I, th- I think it's time we talk about france because i oh let's do it yeah, yes I, okay. I know i know you want to talk about france i i have some notes on france too uh go ahead what did you see from your favorite national team the overall favorite which i think is really important for us to talk about they mm-hmm. are definitely the favorite still to win the tournament do you think that the hype is warranted? I think so, and I'll, okay. I, I understand why some people might not think that. Uh, because in their game against Germany, the only goal that was scored was by Hummels, and it was an own goal. And that might not be the most impressive of things. But one thing that I want to talk about that makes me so excited about this team is the defense. Mm-hmm. Because in the 2018 World Cup, France was a good team. And they scored a lot, but they gave up so many goals in the process that, I mean, they, they gave up three against Argentina. They gave up two against Croatia. They get, uh, they gave up one against Australia. Like they, it, it was just like, it, it their defense was just all over the place. And like, you know, uh, now they restricted Germany who are a pretty good attacking side with the na- likes of Serge Gnabry, uh, Thomas Muller and, uh, Timo Werner might not be the most exciting attacker. <laughs> Kevin Volland, I guess, from Monaco. Uh, you know, like those are good attackers. And they didn't afford them, if I if I remember correctly, a shot on target. They afforded them one shot on target throughout the entire game. That that was it. They they really restricted it. Their the defense was absolutely incredible. Like I, I posted about this on Twitter. Anyone who doubted Raphael Varane after like some mediocre performances uh, in in like the Champions League last season against Manchester City, he just he proved a lot of doubters wrong. I think because he had he he put on a show on how to play center back one on one. His perception was incredible. He was aware. He had quick feet. He played out of pressure beautifully. Like he he was incredible. Lucas Hernandez, Benjamin Pavard, the fullbacks pushing up, but also not getting caught up too high, too high up the field. And Presno Kimpembe always controlling it as well uh, as well back there. And the full the center backs had like a really good understanding of 
you know, when to step into the midfield and, and, you know, it wasn't like both center backs like stepped in at the same time. It, it was always really well organized. And that's what makes France a more, I, I guess, terrifying prospect to other teams mm-hmm. this time around, even more so in the world cup. The fact that they've seemed to have finally sorted out their defense, which was just plagued by like, di- like disastrous pieces, honestly, like uh, I, some of that might've come down to Samuel Umtiti, who got, a little bit overrated, I think, during the World Cup campaign and kind of got some of that hype uh, taken away recently uh, for some bad performances for Barcelona, like straight yeah. up bad ones. So I, I think like it, it was a really good showing from the defense and the midfield as well. I mean, I won't go. I, I know I've talked about France a lot already, but the midfield was fantastic. Uh, Adrian Rabio, who was like, completely taken out of the squad because he refused to be on the reserve list for the world cup came back in foot mob has him as man of the match. And honestly, I could see that I I'd personally go with Pogba for man of the match. Same because he, he did, he did incredible, great dribbling, uh, great at creating chances, uh, great at playing the pre-assist, I guess yeah. that that's, that's the way that that's the way to look at it. But Rabio was excellent as well. He probably could have gotten a goal. He hit the outside of the, of the woodwork, so close and he just had a fantastic game and Conte as well just breaking up the play seven recoveries three interceptions succeeded on all on all, all of his tackles he he was dribbling around he was clearing the ball he was pretty he was pretty good uh, in this one maybe not at his best but pretty good in in this yeah. match it just seemed to be everywhere the one thing that i will say about this and again you know i'm a Giroud fan but I honestly think that Benzema is not the right move for this team. He his off the ball work just looks lazy. He looks he he looked rather lazy out there. And Mbappe was I I I, I like him, but he, he was terrible today. The, the, he was not good. He couldn't get on side. He could not stay on side. He had two. He had one goal and one assist chalked out for offside. He if if he could have stayed just a little bit more patient. France could have won this game like 4-0. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I think, I honestly think Giroud changes the way France plays for the better. And again, call me biased all you want. I, I Feel free to call me out <laughs> as well. But Giroud, he gives the team a focal point. Benzema and Mbappe are not strikers. They do not provide a focal point. They, they are center forwards who like link up play but then who who are you feeding the ball to to finish the chances? And they don't have that natural like number nine, I'd say. Like you can say Benzema is close to it, but I think like France need that traditional striker up top to really make okay. the game, okay. make, like play the game they want to play. So that that's that's my thoughts on it. I what 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 did you want to say about France, AJ? I will say first of all the good. Pogba, Paul Pogba, he was amazing. You said like the pre-assist, the MLS assist, the hockey assist, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Pass that to Hernandez on that first goal, really creating the goal, which is really good for him. I think him and Conte, when you add them together, it's just magic. Unstoppable. I, I, I think that's what makes Pogba historically really good for France and historically not good for Manchester United. <laughs> yep. You got it. it. Is because yeah. he kind of needs to have a really strong defensive holding midfielder like N'Golo Kante 
and not whoever he has for Manchester United. What Fred? Fred. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's a big gulf in quality there. Yeah, exactly. When you have someone like Conte, who you know is going to be behind you, it affords him so much freedom, and it allows him to play risky, high risk passes, high reward passes for that matter, and be confident in the fact that it's not going to screw over this France team. Like, and, and that allows him that creativity and that allows France to create the chances that they do. So for my money, man at the match went to Paul Pogba. N'Golo Conte was obviously a big part of that. The negatives, I will say, yeah, Kareem Benzema and Kylian Mbappe, that front line. I, I, I know you were pretty high on Griezmann. I w- was not. I think that that front three in general... Uh, yeah, could, he he didn't have his best game. He created yeah. chances, but he kind of failed in the mm-hmm. link-up play. Yeah, and to be fair to him, uh, his bad game is uh, still a pretty decent game for most players' uh, measurements. I I think that you hate on Benzema a little too much, and this is coming from me, who has literally no connection to Giroud, Benzema, or France. I I like I, I like Giroud fine. I think Chelsea are fine. Uh, I, I think Real Madrid and France, they're all fine. So I, I'm pretty neutral on this. But I still think Benzema is overhated by you and some Probably. French fans. His goal got called off because Mbappe was just barely offside. And I think if, if Mbappe was just like a hair onside and that goal stood, that changes the entire complexion of this discussion. I think he... Kylian Mbappe, Griezmann, and the French midfield all showed glimpses, flashes of what they are capable of. I think you call him his his like play lazy. He's old, and it works for Real Madrid. Like that is how he plays. He is that striker output. The like you can you can say that that he he's not like that that true output number nine you you're looking for. But you also have to keep in mind, he's been out of the French picture for for four, three years now. And because of that, you know, you give him time and I think he's going to grow into this tournament. I think all the French attackers are going to grow into this tournament. I I haven't really known France for being like the most, uh, I I would say, complete teams at tournaments. I'd say that there has to be some like growing into the tournament. Uh, at at every stage, so I don't know. M- maybe maybe it's just because you are hating Benzema, and I I have to be like the devil's advocate. I'm like, well, actually, he was pretty good for Real Madrid, so maybe he'll actually be good. But that that's how I see it. Jack, how confident are you that France will win this? Like, you have France winning the entire tournament. I have Belgium. If you if you had to put money down, do you, would you still put money on France? I still, I still don't have doubts. I, I don't. If they, if they kept a clean sheet today, uh, and honestly, you, you might be a little right about the over hate on Benzema by me. I, he is very good at Real Madrid. It's just that watching, watching France play with Giroud, and watching them play with Benzema, just it feels like such a departure from what made them so good at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Like Giroud's ability to nod it down to a player. And allow them to run into space while because they he took a defender away from them, like that that because Mbappe he you're right he showed flashes of brilliance he he was 
I, I I'll say he was the worst player for France today. Okay. I think he was, uh, I, he, he kind of dived quite a bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he really did. Uh, and, uh, he just, he had so many one-on-one opportunities, but he just slowed it down too much instead of just taking the shot on. And I, I think like when you have like, you know, someone like Giroux in there as well, I know I'm coming back to him because, but I, I, I really rate him a lot because he takes away defenders because he's a recognized threat for them. And like him just going into the box is enough to draw a few defenders away to, to mark him. And that's what made Mbappe light up at the world cup in 2018. And that's why Deschamps used him in like uh, even when he wasn't getting game time at Chelsea. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it, I, I, I don't think Benzema doesn't belong in this team. Okay. That's confusing. I think Benzema belongs in this team. <laughs> that, that, that's the best way to put That's, that's the right way to put it. But I think he might be better coming on as an impact sub who can change the game. I, I honestly think he is because Giroud really, I, <sighs> I've said it so much changes the way France play for the better. And it, and yeah, I, I mean, people can say, oh, he he didn't score at the World Cup in 2018. But, you know, he he is the reason why others did. Mm-hmm. And that that's that's what I'll stand by. I, I, I will die on the hill that Drew deserves to deserves to start in this French team. I, I, I really believe it. All right. All right. Well, I I think either option is good. Benzema or. Giroud. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're if your options are Benzema or Giroud to start up top for you, you have a pretty good problem on your hands. Yeah. The, the, the last thing I'll say about this is when you have like three players that hate you on the team, it's kind of not a great thing. I, like, for, yeah. I don't know why Giroud gets so much hate. Like, well, is it from Mbappe or Pogba or whoever? Mbappe, Mbappe and Benzema. That, yeah. those, are the, those are the two that they don't like him. Uh, I, I'm not yeah I'm not sure if you saw it but there was this clip that Giroud did like this fake news interview with like a, a an interviewer or whatever where he said he was scared of Elf as a child like the yeah. the the TV show uh not like the buddy the elf not Will Ferrell uh but most people don't have no idea what I mean by Elf like ALF but whatever he was an 80s pu- cartoon puppet alien and so he said he was scared of that, and people were memeing like Benzema and Mbappe about <laughs> to show up in an elf costume to training. Like, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I mean, they—I don't—I don't know what it what it is about this little public spat that got out. Like, uh, because Giroud really isn't that kind of person when I when, like that like when you see him in any other thing. Like, even when he was getting benched constantly for Chelsea after scoring, he was pretty quiet about it. Like. Uh, it it just see it's just very strange that this that this is happening. Yeah, it's it's weird and it's tough because Benzema and Mbappe are the two players you kind of want to be on the good side if you are a striker. I feel like those right. two players are gonna help help you succeed a lot. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about France. Let's go on to well, I, I, I'm gonna get out my my last uh bad team, I suppose, or disappointing it, maybe disappointing. Yeah, uh, bad in some parts, I will say. And then after this, we can go into some positive teams that we, that we liked to watch. Uh, I'm going to talk about Portugal. That's a team that I was not overly impressed by. I just thought, and I, I've been banging this drum since we previewed them and since 
I guess 2016. Obviously, we didn't have a podcast back then. But I've always said that Portugal line up way too defensively for their own good, really. And that kind of showed today against their match against Hungary. They won that game 3-0. to zero. When you look at that scoreline, you're like, oh, well, Portugal really dominated this match. It was a really a really comprehensive victory for them. But that just was not the case. It wasn't until Renato Sanchez came in in like the 81st minute that they had even a semblance of a, a, a real comprehensive chance to score. And w- when you look at when they scored the goals, I mean, it, it's pretty clear. It, it was, uh, uh, what was it? It was a Guerrero goal, 84th minute, Ronaldo penalty in the 87th minute and another Ronaldo goal in the 90 plus second minute. They came out with two very defensive holding midfielders in Carvalho and Pereira. And it just it just did not work. We've been talking about the disconnect between the defense and the attack. And I think this is a trend that continued even with Portugal because they could not make anything happen going from the middle third. And when you have a player like Sanchez, who played very well for Lille this past season in Liga, to not even give him the chance until the 81st minute, it's just, it's mind-boggling. And even as someone who does not care for Portugal in the slightest, to see them do this really made my blood boil. And yes. Defense wins championships. Yes, defense wins you these type of tournaments. They won in Euro 2016. But that was with a different set of players. This is a new set of players. And you have to play towards your strengths. And right now, Santos is not playing Portugal to their strengths. Their strength right now is the technical attacking ability that they have with their front four and even some of their midfielders. You have Jota, Fernandes, Bernardo Silva, and Cristiano Ronaldo starting up front, and you can't really muster a real chance until after you have an actual offense-minded midfielder. That should tell you everything you need to know about how you're lining up this team. Yes, Portugal can go far. I had them, I believe, as, yeah, my disappointing team of the tournament uh, a prediction maybe that'll come true they could make it far but it would be so so much easier if they played up to their level if they lined up their squad as if they know that they are contenders at this tournament and right now they aren't it's really disappointing because i know when i look at this uh this squad I know that they can do very, very well, but it's just not clicking for them. It's just not happening. They won 3-0. It was against Hungary. If they line up like this against against France, against Germany, something tells me that it's not going to go their way. Who knows? Maybe they'll win those games like very comprehensively, but that's just how I see it. Uh, Jack, France played Portugal the the last match day right last match day given what you're seeing with portugal how confident are you that france can take that match very actually uh because one 
the coaching difference. Deschamps versus I don't even know the name of Portugal's Santos. coach. Santos, right? Uh, you know that that there's such a gap. I've I feel like in in terms of using the players that are best poised to make an impact. That 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 that's what I'll say. Like they, you know, Santos could be a, a great coach and all that, but I feel like he misuses his squad. And then also, Portugal have made the same mistake against France so many times. Uh, I mean, not so many times, just in recent history, they've made it quite a bit. Uh, two times, in fact, and, and they could only play to a draw uh, in France and then lost at home uh, to an, an N'Golo Kante goal, someone who rarely scores goals because, you know, Portugal sat back so much and allowed pressure to come on that they just gave up so many chances that eventually France broke through. And like, I, I think that they're going to fall into the same trap. I, I, I'm fairly confident of that because no matter how many times it happens that, that they get really mediocre results. Like I, I honestly thought that this was going to be a zero zero uh, when I looked at it in the 81st minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently, nope. Uh, it, it, it ended up being a very different story because of the substitution made, but you know, in a game against France, you know, against Hungary, that's one thing. But if you make that substitution in the 81st minute against France, it's too late. It's too late because they by by that time, they have enough attacking talent to have to have gotten at least a goal, I think, uh, in most cases. And if not, they have a better defense that can play out against against these teams. And like especially this midfield trio that Deschamps has gone with Rabio Pogba Conte. That 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 seems inst- unstoppable at this tournament so far, but yeah, that I I've I've talked about France enough, yeah. so I, I'll yeah. I'll move on from that. Enough about France. Let's talk about some other good teams that we like because we talked a lot about teams that we were not impressed with. A lot of negativity. Let's go spread some joy, Jack. Who were some teams that you were impressed by that you were pleasantly surprised by and you think could do pretty well in this tournament? I'll, I'll I'll give you two right away. Sure. Uh, Italy is mm-hmm. one big one. And the reason why is so many people were kind of discounting them after like, oh, they failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. How good can they really be? But they, they, they proved exactly why they are so good. Mancini just got everything right in the opener, like use the tactics perfectly, really. And the midfield trio, uh, Barella, Locatelli and Jorginho controlled the tempo completely like the turkey the reason why turkey couldn't get anything to yomas was because the midfield was so delicately controlled by by uh Jorginho and uh locatelli especially that that was incredible by by them like they they are the real deal that midfield machine that they have is going to make them dangerous and shiro mobile looked really good despite not being in the best of form this past season, you know, after a really impressive season where he won the European golden boot, uh, he didn't look that great at first this season, but he seems, he seems to have found something. He, he, he finally found his misplaced shooting boots or something mm-hmm. because that that's what it seems like. But it, Italy seems like the real deal. And then also I'll, I'll uh, I'm going to say, uh, I was going to say Belgium, but Austria, Sure. Austria kind of impressed me because I, I probably because I 
underrated them so much. I had them as finishing third. I also said that I, I could see them not qualifying into the round of 16. My mind's completely changed on that. Mm-hmm. This team was very good, but we also need to talk about something else with Austria right. a little bit. And that's uh, Marco Arnautovic, who, after scoring in the 89th minute, allegedly went on a anti-Albanian rant directed towards Aliofsky, uh, who, who plays for North Macedonia. There's a lot of North Macedonia players with Albanian descent, and uh, Arnautovic is of Serbian descent. And if you don't know anything about that, uh, there was a massive war between those and a lot of uh uh really bad stuff that went down mm-hmm. there. I I'm not I'm I'm not trying to get the podcast censored or have a warning on it or something yeah. like that. Uh so we'll, we'll we'll just say we'll just say really bad stuff going on down there. And uh UEFA is allegedly looking into this uh looking into this incident uh and if he's found guilty of it, he could be banned for the rest of the tournament. And if that happens, one because it's it's like audible on the cameras like you can you can kind of hear it uh i i think it it's pretty likely that it does happen and if so austria are kind of screwed i'm not gonna lie uh because him coming on in the 59th minute changed this game along with grillich but austria otherwise were quite impressive they sure they had that bad moment for the the goal against uh, that north macedonia got which was not a great goal yeah. <laughs> it was a very scrappy goal uh but you know it, it got it done but you know gregorich stefan liner especially from from uh right back i believe uh he he was incredible daniel bachman was pretty good uh sabitzer was really good but alaba alaba was excellent really mm-hmm. uh he was really just patrolling everything and you know he he is the key to this team's success I kind of underrated him in in it, I think, when we were doing our predictions. So, yeah, Austria look pretty good. I also do want to talk about Italy. You mentioned their midfield. I want to talk about their defense. Italy's obviously known for the defense. Cialini and Bonucci, obviously, center backs for Italy for the past probably 110 years. At least. At yeah, least. They, are, they are up there in age, but somehow, you know, they aged like fine wine. Cialini especially I think I think I mentioned this in the last episode I think he was their man of the match I think he was able to win everything he was able to get Ilmaz get all the Turkish attackers off the ball and that was huge Donnarumma I don't even think he had to make too many saves maybe like one save he was just out there like one yeah yeah picking daisies out out in the field (laughs) like he wasn't doing much and that is in large part due to that uh, defense and the midfield, like you said. I was surprised that we didn't see Chiesa start. I had them as favorites to win or be contenders for this tournament, in large part due to his midfield work. I'd like to think that he would play for them, especially because I hyped him up so much. But when you have the, the depth that they have with Insigne, Locatelli, Jorginho Barella all you know being able to play on the on the left or in the midfield where Chiesa would play that's that's great for them uh, so I'm really excited to see how Italy do 
I'm also really excited to see how England do, who got their first European Championship opener win against Croatia. A very kind of nervy 1-0 win above the, the World Cup runners-ups. But I, I, I was impressed with England. I wasn't too impressed with overall how Southgate lined the team up. I think Trippier as a left back is not something that you should do when you have some world-class left backs in Shaw and Chilwell available. I, I am not a huge Kyle Walker fan, so I think if you move him to the right, take Kyle Walker off and start Chilwell or Shaw, you could have added a lot more to the game from the fullbacks than we saw uh, in this game. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice, I, I thought it wouldn't work, and it apparently did like yes they didn't create too many chances it was very sluggish in the second half aside from the Raheem Sterling goal but at the same time if it works it works until it doesn't so honestly if you if they want to try that again sure if they want to move Mason Mount into that double pivot with uh, either Phillips or Rice sure Jack's shaking his head no, no he probably wants him that. he probably wants him in in the that attacking role so he can shine very He's in my fantasy team. That's why. Oh, okay, okay. Well, a little biased there, but you know, we'll we'll take it. We'll take it. But yeah, when you look at this England team, to at least defensively keep out a pretty good Croatia team, that spells some pretty good news for them, especially as England, you know, obviously historically has not done well in these knockout tournaments. To see them do this well, while at the same time resting the likes of Grealish and Sancho you know sky's the limit for this team especially when you have Scotland and the Czech Republic coming up those are much easier teams to beat than Croatia I'm excited to see how they do and how their other attacking talents do I'd love to see some more uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin I'd love to see some Jude Bellingham the youngest uh, England player maybe even Euro player overall to play yep. in the European I, championships. I believe, I believe that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. They have the depth to go really far. And when you're in a knockout tournament like this, after a very congested season, depth is exactly what you need. Jack, are you convinced that England can go far? I think you have them in the semifinals or in the quarterfinals for your brackets. It depends because I realized that, I had two different brackets oh, wow. uh, on the Euro app and then on our actual prediction game. One, I have Portugal in the final, which I wish I could take back at this point in time. Nah. Uh, but uh, And then I have the other one, I have England in the final. And I, oh, I'm wow, not okay. sure. I'm not sure how convinced I was by England. I might be seeing it a little bit different than you, but it, it definitely wasn't the best performance by them. Uh, sure, they, they were missing a lot of like they they benched and rest a lot of players but i feel like you know i i worry that he'll do that southgate's going to pull a portugal and play too defensively for their own good and that might be their downfall and it, it i think it'll be really interesting if portugal finish runners up and england finish in first Ooh. because then they'll play each other and we'll see who uh overplays the their, their defensive <laughs> side more uh but I, I don't I don't know it, it, this this England team. There's just so many weird decisions in here. There, there there was just so many weird decisions, you know, like the the Phillips and Rice double pivot. It ended up working out. Yes, 
but it was still a little I'm not sure if it if it was the best move ever to, because you have so many attackers you could have buffered up your goal differential in this game you know uh and Trippier at like you said Trippier at left back doesn't make any sense he's he he has lived off of that free kick goal against Croatia in the semifinal for too long <laughs> uh and I I'm just kidding he is a good player but yes, I at, at the same at the same time like you know Chilwell won the Champions League Luke Shaw had arguably the best season of any left back in Europe. I I mean, like play one of them. They yeah. they deserve it. Uh, they and they're naturally in that position. One of them won a Champions League. One of them was in a Europa League final. I I mean, like it's it's not to, it it just doesn't make sense. Uh, but yeah, that that that's I think that's enough talk on England. I think because I I. I, I personally don't like the English national team that much. I don't know about you, but uh, yeah. All right. Well, do you have any other impressive teams that you want to highlight? Uh, I already talked about uh, Sweden a little bit. I already talked about the Czech Republic winning against Scotland. Are there any other teams before I ask you one final question? Not teams, but I do want to yeah, sure. highlight one particular position, and that's the goalkeepers right. for, for a lot of these countries. Because no matter, it, it seems like goalkeepers have come up big for their countries, even in losses. Like, like I said, Ergersan uh, Sakir, uh, who, who plays for Turkey, six saves in that game. That, that is impressive. Like, that, that, that's impressive. Uh, Tomas Vaklic for, for the Czech Republic, six saves as well. He, he came up massive. Uh, Lukas Hiradeki for Finland, six saves. One of those was a penalty save. It wasn't the best penalty in the world, but it's a penalty save nonetheless. And even David Marshall, who was made into a meme for getting caught in his own net after chasing after Thomas uh, Schick's effort. Yeah. He made five saves as well. It could have been way worse for Scotland if it wasn't for him. Uh, Robin Olsen for Sweden. Uh, Georgie Bu- uh, uh, Bush- Bouchon? Yeah, for sure. Ukraine. <laughs> four saves he 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 made some incredible reflex saves against the netherlands and uh for north macedonia stole dimitrievsky he he was really good throughout the game made some smart clears really good saves against a really good side in austria so i mean like even though a lot of those teams ended up losing or drawing like you know scotland turkey sweden ukraine and north macedonia Without their goalkeepers, they would be in such a worse off position. And, you know, goalkeepers uh, get so much hate for when they make mistakes, but little to no praise when they make good saves. So I wanted to take a moment to give them some praise because they deserve it no matter like no matter what. It's the hardest position to play. I think a goalkeeper like you, you might you might not have to run as much, but you get all of the stick if you concede goals. And that that's unfair to the to these ones to these goalkeepers who are like performed very well. Yeah, I mean, defense does win you championships, even though Portugal has maybe taken that to the extreme. But yet, goalkeepers obviously pay a huge part in that. the The last question I want to ask you, Jack, before we close off this uh, long Euro match day one review is: How do you feel about the four? major predictions that we made and that is our winner our underdog team our letdown team and our golden boot winner we've already talked about you believing in france but let's hear it for your underdog team which was turkey 
your letdown team, which was the Netherlands, and your golden boot winner, which is Harry Kane of England. How confident are you on getting those rights? In all of those, almost no confidence. The only one I really have confidence in now. Actually, no, that's not true. The Netherlands being a letdown team, I feel pretty confident about. I'm not going to lie. After their performance against Ukraine, I, I don't think like once they come up against teams that are a little bit better because Ukraine, I rated them highly. They're not the best team. But if they if they if they face off against like, say, Italy or like uh, just anyone else really who makes it into the knockout rounds, uh, they're, they're going to lose. They're, 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 I don't think they're good enough to make it far in this. And then Golden Boot winner, Harry Kane was not at his best against uh, Croatia. He was okay. He had some good shots, but he didn't start off my, the Euro campaign with a bang like I thought he would. And then finally for, uh, for uh, underdog team Turkey, a little nervous about that one because <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not I'm not sure I'm not too confident they'll get out of the group now if I'm being honest. Oh no! Uh, it, it's it's a it's a little it's a little rough, which would be very rough for both of our brackets. Uh, but yeah, I guess same question for you. What? How are you feeling about yours? Because you had the same Golden Boot winner and underdog team. You already talked about your uh, uh, letdown team in Portugal, but how are you feeling about Belgium winning the tournament? I'm feeling pretty good. Yes, they played against Russia, who I did bag on for having tired legs. But Belgium, Lukaku is just a game changer. I'm so surprised that Manchester United let him go. He was he he, he had the talent then. He has the talent now. Uh, something tells me that he's going to be, you know, in the running for one of the best strikers in Europe next season. He scored a brace against Russia, and I think he has the chance to really lead this Belgium team very far and maybe even win so I'm, I'm feeling really confident in that my un, yeah, underdog team which is turkey uh still feeling pretty nervous but hey you know what it's the first match day who knows True. what can happen it's against italy of all teams very good team let down team feeling pretty good about portugal they did win against uh hungary three to zero i already talked about them but we'll see how they do in the knockout rounds golden boot winner i also had harry kane I'm maybe a bit higher on that than you are. Croatia are, to their credit, a very, very good team. Harry Kane, I mean, when it's like a golden boot winner, just because they don't score in the first match day doesn't mean that they can't find success. True. I think we're going to see how he does in the rest of the group games against Scotland and Czech Republic if he can't score. I'd say at least two goals, then I'm going to be very, very nervous going to the knockout rounds because Lukaku, I feel like, has a good shout given how Belgium are poised to do. So those are my four. Confident in two, not confident in the other two. That is it for the final third podcast. This is our deep dive on the first match day in the Euros. The second match day ends right on Saturday. So I'm sure we're going to have the majority of the, the, newsroom talking about some of the euros copa america a little bit uh third match day and going into the knockout rounds happens to be right on wednesdays when it ends so i have a feeling we're going to do a big round of 16 preview slash group stage review of the euros next week jack do you have anything to say to our listeners before we close off this episode well as always 
Uh, thanks for listening and make sure to check out our Instagram and Twitter at final third show to get our takes on, you know, CONCACAF world cup qualifying as, uh, as that wraps up, Th- those will be older tweets, but, uh, as well as gold cup, which is coming up. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Copa America, uh, we watch us, uh, watch us try and defend Messi for trying to carry a team against Chile that does not <sighs> seem to want to be carried. Uh, and then, uh, of course, on the Euros and MLS as that as that season oh, starts yeah. kicking back up again. So uh, follow us on there for more of our sometimes bad, sometimes good takes. And yeah, it will be a fun time. Yeah. Twitter is a very fun place to follow us on. We have a lot of like great engagement really recently. We've seen a lot of great growth. So join the bandwagon. Follow us there at Final Third Show. Uh, follow us also wherever you listen to us on whatever podcast platform that may be. Leave a rating and review. You have no idea how much that helps. Tell a friend, even tell your dad. I'm sure he's been following North Macedonia with all of his heart, trying to get Pandev to score some more goals. Uh, yeah, and we'll see you guys next Monday for our news and predictions episode. And we'll see you same time, same place for next week's deep dive episode. See ya. Bye for now.